0: I see some people swaying with the music out here. So obviously a catchy jingle. It's good to see all your smiling faces here. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online as well. You know, as Matt was saying, we're wrapping up this series today called Modern Idols. And it's a conversation about idols, god substitutes, counterfeit gods. And today we're going to be taking a look at the idol of success. It's a little sneaky one, the idol of success. Well, as I was processing processing this whole thing, I got to thinking about my own life and kind of, well, for me, Brian Threlko, what do I hope to accomplish in life? What do I hope to enjoy in life? And I I wrote down some things, you know, first and foremost, I want to love and serve God. I mean, I realize that's why I'm here on this planet. It's why I went into ministry in the first place. I want to be faithful in whatever it is he calls me to do. I want to continue uh, to love my wife, Wendy, well, to be the best husband I can possibly be. I want to be a good father and a good grandfather now, blessed with a granddaughter who's turning two next month. Yeah, we're going to get a chance this afternoon. We're going to go down and see Marlo in Houston, and then we'll watch the Astros beat up on the Red Sox tomorrow night, (laughs) Lord willing. Okay. You know, I thought about that. My sons are out of the house, but man, I still want to be close to my sons, my daughter-in-laws. That's good stuff. And then I thought, you know, I want to be the best pastor I can possibly be. I want to work in a place where I can faithfully serve God's people. And he has so, so blessed me here at Hill Country Bible Church with that opportunity. Yeah, you know, I want to be a champion of good theology, free grace theology, in a culture where legalism and bad theology just prevails. I want to raise up the next generation of spiritual leaders. I want to have opportunities to share the gospel with lost people. I want to connect in real community with brothers and sisters that I can sacrificially love, and they reciprocate that. And then kind of on a lighter note, I I jotted down, I want to enjoy life. Like even pastors want to have a little fun now and then. So I want to expand my horizons as a bass player, as a musician. I want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl, for crying out loud, for the rapture. Yeah, come on with it. For the rapture, or death takes me away, okay? The guy can dream a little. And then there was another overarching theme that came to my mind. In every area, like, I want to be successful. I want to succeed. I want to accomplish great things in life. Equally important, I want people to think that I'm successful. That's just a natural part of being a human being. Like, I'm not satisfied going home today and going, wow, Brian, that was a fine sermon. Well done. I want you to go home today and say, that was a fine sermon, Brian. Well done. In fact, I think we should just all practice that right now, okay? Yeah, let's just say, well done, Brian. Go ahead. Gosh. i got to take you guys with me everywhere I go. That was, wow. But deep inside every human heart, there is this longing. There is this desire to succeed, like to make something of ourselves, to make a difference in this world. It's a God-given wiring in us. It's part of what it means to be a human being. This is actually God's idea. I mean, listen to what God said when he created the first human beings. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. In other words, you're not here to just be irrelevant, to sit on the sidelines and watch life happen, have someone else live it. You're here to exercise God's creative rule over the earth, to be fruitful, to raise families, to build communities, to shape cultures. You're here to steward your unique gifts in a way that makes a difference. Okay, that is success. And we find God-centered success stories all throughout this book right here. Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Esther stood up to an all-powerful king. David defeated the Philistine giant. God created human beings to do great things. But there's something else going on deep in our hearts, and it goes beyond just the desire to do well, the desire to make a difference. Each of us has been corrupted by what the Bible calls sin this toxic mixture of fear and greed and a desire for power and glory for ourselves. What was originally created to be this righteous longing to use our gifts and make a difference in God's kingdom can become a compulsive desire to build our own kingdom with our own name stamped on it. John's kingdom, Bill's kingdom, Brian's kingdom. And that happens when I want the best job, the best title, the best reputation. Like, I want the best house, the best family, the most successful children, and it doesn't even matter how I get there, or so it would seem in our culture today. I read an article that was documenting the growing prevalence of cheating in graduate programs in the United States of America, particularly among business students. And get this, they described cheating not as necessary to pass their courses, but as a good practice for making it in the professional world. Hmm. One MBA student said, all I'm doing is emulating the behavior I'll need when I get out in the real world. You know, there's an old saying in the world of sports, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game, right? Well, in the real world today, it's just the opposite. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you play the game, you just got to win. It's whether or not you win. And so we lie, we cheat, we backstab, we gossip. We overwork, overstress, overmedicate, all to climb that next step on the ladder and fend off people who might get in our way. And I'm telling you, this happens in our jobs. It happens in our schools. It happens at home. Why? Well, because success, achievement, personal glory has become an idol, a God substitute, a counterfeit God. And so today, I want to address two questions The first is this, what are the signs that success has become an idol in our lives? There are a number of signs, a number of red flags, if you will, that success or achievement has become an idol. One sign is this, people with a success idol will struggle with a relentless sense of inadequacy, a relentless sense that I am just inadequate. I read a while back a story about a guy who was looking for a job and he kept getting turned down by one company after another, after another, to the point that he was totally losing confidence that he would ever find work. And so finally, after his most recent rejection letter, he took matters into his own hands and wrote that company the following note. He said, "'To whom it may concern, thank you for your recent letter. After careful consideration, I regret to inform you that I am unable to accept your refusal refusal to offer me employment.' This year, I've been particularly fortunate in receiving an unusually large number of rejection letters. And with such a varied and promising field of candidates, it's impossible for me to accept all refusals. Despite your company's outstanding qualifications and previous experience in rejecting applicants, I find your rejection does not meet with my needs at this time. Therefore, I will initiate employment with your firm immediately. (laughs) He says, I look forward to working with you. Best of luck rejecting future candidates. Yeah, I thought about that. That kind of captures how desperate we can be to just avoid feeling inadequate. Like someone else is always going to be better than me. Someone else is always going to be more successful than me. You know, the spiritual dynamic goes something like this. All of us, I think, deep inside, we have this fear that we're a nobody, that somehow in the great mix of all the people out there, I'm actually a nobody. And yet we have this longing inside, this God-giving wiring, so to speak, to be somebody. Well, the success idol will tell you that the only way to get from being a nobody to being a somebody, from feeling insignificant to feeling significant, is to gain more, achieve more, accomplish more. But let me ask you this, church family. Where in the Bible does it say that being successful is what makes you significant? like chapter and verse. I want to know where in here it says that, because truth is, it doesn't. It doesn't say it, imply it, or assume it. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, Psalm 139 says that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to this. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, the Bible says the simple fact that you were created by God and placed on this earth means you are a somebody. You matter. You are loved. You are treasured. You are valued. And that means no one is a nobody. Nobody is. Even more importantly, it means the success idol is lying to you. You know, personal achievements can be great things, but they don't have the power to make you significant. Only God has that power, and He gives it freely. And yet, people continually try to use resume reputation, the idol of success, to bridge that gap from being a nobody to being a somebody. It doesn't work. Just doesn't work. I mean, people think all the time if I could just be a success at work, like if I just get the title, if I just get the home, if people just say about me, you're a great success, then I won't feel inadequate anymore. I won't have this nagging fear and self doubt. I will be somebody. But on the way up that ladder, you actually just accrue more pressure, more anxiety, more self doubt. I read about a recovery group in Houston, Texas, and it's a support group. It's a recovery group for CEOs of major corporations. And they sit around in a circle and, and they share their pain, their fears, their sense of inadequacy. And you think, wow, the most successful people on this planet experiencing fear and self doubt? Absolutely. Because the success idol is lying. It doesn't make you somebody. How about a second red flag? People with a success idol are obsessed with personal achievement. Obsessed with personal achievement. Yeah, I read some rather inappropriate comments that teachers made on report cards of their students who were not doing well in their classes. And I want you to listen to a few of these. One teacher wrote this, since my last report, your child has reached rock bottom and has started to dig. Another wrote, your child has delusions of adequacy. Ouch. Yeah, I know. Even more astonishing here, the wheel is turning, but the hamster is definitely dead. Okay, that's kind of a creative mix of cruelty and I I don't know. I hope these aren't real. I couldn't verify one way or the other. If they are, I bet the teachers got some similar comments on their performance reviews. But, you know, this whole thing, it got me thinking, though. It got me thinking about how consumed we can be about what is on our report cards, right? Like our resume, our social reputation. And we find ourselves asking questions like, well, you know, how am I doing at work? Like, what's my job title? How much money am I making? Like, do I live in the right house in the right neighborhood? Do my kids attend the right schools? And do they perform in superior ways to my friends' kids? And the answer to these questions is always never good enough. Never good enough. Somebody's always doing a little bit better. And I'm not saying that personal achievements are bad things. I mean, we all need coaches, we all need teachers, we all need mentors to kind of challenge us to reach our God given potential. But the success idol will tell you, that if you're not growing your resume, right, if you're not building that up, if you're not growing your reputation amongst your peers, then your life is basically moving from being worth something to being worth less. And the result is we become achievement addicts. Achievement addicts. Chris Evert was a leading tennis player back in the 1970s and 1980s. And at the time, her career win-loss record was actually the best of any tennis player in history. But as she contemplated retirement, she said she was petrified. And listen to what she said here to this interviewer. It's pretty fascinating. She said, I had no idea who I was or what I could be away from tennis. I was depressed and afraid because so much of my life had been defined by me being a tennis champion. I was completely lost. She said, Winning made me feel like I was somebody, it made me feel pretty. It was like being hooked on a drug. I needed the wins. I needed the applause in order to have an identity. Hmm. One counselor named Mary Bell went so far as to say, achievement is the alcohol of our time. Hmm. Now, if that's true, then we're living in the biggest cake party on this planet. But like any addiction, you know, that achievement addiction, it's always going to take more from you than it gives. That marriage you put on the sidelines, kids you don't have time for, friends you never see, the God you hardly know anymore? Like how much more of what really counts in life are you willing to sacrifice for just a little more success? Jesus put it this way. He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? That's a rhetorical question. It means the answer should be obvious. It does you no good. No good but our obsession with achievement for the sake of personal glory it's another sign that success has become an idol okay third sign success may be an idol is when you're coveting rather than celebrating the successes of others like you find yourself being envious being jealous when other people succeed rather than being able to celebrate them there's a story about a young man named Brad who finally worked up the nerve to propose to his girlfriend And he goes to his girlfriend and says, sweetheart, I know that I'm not as wealthy as Tom and I'm not as handsome as Tom and I'm not as well-educated as Tom is, but I love you. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you and you alone. And she says to him, oh, I love you too, Brad. But I'd really like to hear more about that Tom guy. You ever find yourself envious of the toms of the world, those that seem to have more, gain more, achieve more? If you do, then sooner or later you start thinking, all I want, all I need is what they have. Israel's first king, Saul, struggled deeply with this very thing in his life. Had a young man at his court, David, who was actually anointed to be the next king of Israel. And David had great success early on in his career but rather than cheering David on, Saul became jealous. Once the people of Israel were singing songs about Saul and David, and 1 Samuel 18.8 says, Saul was very angry. says, so this refrain, the songs that they sang about David, it displeased him greatly. So they've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Like, what more can he get but my kingdom, what I need, what I want to succeed? See, for Saul, being king, being at the top of the ladder was his idol, what mattered the most, which meant David's success wasn't a good thing. It was a threat. And if you know the story, Saul became so obsessed with stopping David, he eventually lost everything. And people, we can get caught up in that same pattern you know, that colleague at work who got the promotion before you, and you're smiling on the outside, but inside you're mad. Or or your friend's son who got to be the lead pitcher on the baseball team while yours didn't, and you're smiling on the outside, but inside you're jealous. See, it not only hurts you and your relationship with others, it's also a sign that success has moved from being a good thing, a gift from God, to being an idol. So feeling inadequate, being obsessed with personal achievement, coveting the successes of others, those are all signs that success has become that which gives you value, worth, and hope. It's become a God substitute, trying to do, trying to provide what only God can provide. Now, if that's you, if you're feeling a pinch of conviction around this in your heart, it's time to change. And Jesus, he actually offered a very different definition of success than what we hear in the world, didn't he? And get me on this. Jesus didn't say, don't work hard. (laughs) Jesus didn't say, don't try to be effective. No, he rejoiced. He loved it when his disciples succeeded, when they made a difference. In fact, Jesus once said, You're going to do even greater things than I did because he knew God created people to do great things. And so the question is this what would Jesus say? To people who find themselves serving the idol of success? Three answers for you here. The first thing I think Jesus would say is this remember, your worth is in no way based on your achievements. Your worth is in no way based on your achievements. I just wanna stop here and let you soak that one in and maybe exhale thank you. See, you're not any more or less valuable in God's eyes because of your job title because of your tax bracket, your social status, and even if you've lost your job, even if you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling in your family, even if you've blown it, you've made a huge mistake. And right now you're living through the consequences. God's affection for you does not waver. Your value in His eyes does not decline. Like there are no crashes or recessions with the love of God. Luke 12 says this, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now, Romans 8 tells us that as God's children, nothing, nothing, nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing someone else says, nothing someone else does, nothing can separate you from the love of your heavenly Father. Nothing. And yes, it's a blessing to use our gifts. It's a blessing to work hard. But your worth, your worth is in no way based on your achievements. It's found in God, and it's secure. All right, the second thing, another thing I think Jesus would say to us is this, just be faithful with what you've already been given. Like, be faithful with what God has already made you a steward of of right, right here, right now. You know, you've heard the expression, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And the success idol, it tempts you to look over that fence, to look at that next field, that next opportunity, as if success and our hopes and our dreams and our wishes are always just one step away. Now, Jesus calls us to be faithful stewards of whatever He's given you to do today. And you know, we've all been given a certain stewardship of someone or something. It could be a spouse could be a child, could be a job, could be a place where you serve, could be a difficult situation. And there is going to be a moment where you have to choose Am I willing to just focus on and be faithful with what God has given me right here, right now, today? Am I willing to do that? And just ignore, forget about the other side of the fence, forget about where the grass may be greener. In the parable of the talents, the master commends the faithful servant and says this. You have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. God says, being faithful with a few things here on Earth means He'll bless you with many things in the future. And that leads us to the last thing I think Jesus would say to us: Seek my approval. Like don't worry about everybody else. Seek my approval. He wants you to hear the two most important words you'll ever hear. Well done. Back in that parable of the talents, we read about the one who was faithful. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And so, to parents today who are just struggling to raise their kid in this crazy world, God says, Well done. To teenagers facing ridicule for the sake of their character, Well done. To those in the workplace trying to put integrity above their salary, above their income, Well done. You see, it's not that we don't need to hear words of affirmation. It's really just that we need to hear them from one source, God. Galatians 1.10, love this passage. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Folks, approval from God, that's what matters the most. That's the true definition of success. There was a wedding where a father officiated a ceremony for his own son. And he started this wedding. His opening line, I kid you not, he looked at this young couple and said, you two are in way over your heads. Now, as a pastor, I thought to myself, wow, what a bummer way to start your son's wedding. But hey, you know, your deal. I was just thinking in that moment, man, that young groom, he had to feel the weight of the world on his shoulder then like to be a good man to be a good husband he's standing before his dad for crying out loud Can you imagine that but then this is cool but then the father turned to his son and said but all i really want you to know going forward in your life is this he said that you are my son whom i love and with you i am well pleased mm. people we are all in way over our heads all of us amen Amen. Whether you make dinner or billion-dollar deals for a living, we're all desperately trying to find our way from being a nobody to being a somebody. But hear me on this. If you're a Christian, all your heavenly father really wants you to know about your life going forward is this, that you are his daughter. You are his son, whom he loves. And your faith, your hope, your love, that's what makes your father in heaven proud. Do you know that? Do you know that? It means you can let it go. The idol of success, approval, you know, pursuit of glory for yourself. You can just let that go. And you can receive God's love for you just as you are, and seek to be faithful in whatever he brings to you right here, right now, just today. And then you can be confident that he will use your life to make the world a little more like he wants it to be. If. You'll do life with him. If you'll do life with him. In closing, let me read a quote from Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. Keller says this All during his ministry, the disciples continually asked Jesus, When are you going to take power? When are you going to stop fraternizing with simple people? When are you going to start networking and raising money? Like, when will you run for office? When's the first primary? When's our first TV special? Instead, Jesus served humbly and then was tortured and killed. Even when Jesus rose from the dead, He first appeared to women, the people who then had no status. Jesus' salvation is received not through strength, but through the admission of weakness and need. And Jesus' salvation was achieved not through strength, but through surrender, service, sacrifice, and death. This is one of the great messages of the Bible, that God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the foolish and despised things to shame the wise, even the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That's 1 Corinthians 1, 29 to 31. And Keller ends with this. He says, that's how God does it. That's how God does it, people. And that's how we should do it as well. Let's pray. Jesus, boy, how we need to hear these words, not just today, but every day because we are all in way over our heads. And we're all desperately trying to make our life into something, to be someone because you've called us, you've made us, you've created us to do great things. God, I just pray that you would free us from this idol called success at all costs. That you would open our hearts to the ways that you're using us even now to change the world in little ways, just in little ways. And help us to hear those words that we need to hear from you. That we are somebody because we're your daughters and your sons whom you love. And because of who you are, because of what you are doing in us somehow, in some miraculous way, we make you proud.